Hey guys, and welcome back to the Ted Tale Business Show, the best place for actionable advice for entrepreneurs. This is Ted, your friend and host speaking. So we're officially building up to Christmas and it's my favorite time of the year. I can hardly wait. What about you? Now, today's episode will probably be very important if you're living in USA. Joining us today is Jeremy Miller, the chairman and founder of Health E-Commerce, which includes companies such as FSA.com, which is a website that focuses only on customers with FSA accounts by exclusively carrying only products and services that are eligible for purchase with credits in their FSA accounts. After realizing that over $400 million worth of credit is being forfeited by American employees every year in their FSA accounts, Jeremy set out to build his business to help his customers to fully utilize their FSA accounts and to provide them with an increased level of accessibility to healthcare. In today's episode, Jeremy shares the importance of planning ahead for the year-end fourth quarter holiday sales, the challenges he faced with respect to regulatory compliance, and how educational materials can help build brand loyalty and improve sales conversion rates. All these and more on today's show after this quick commercial break. Hey guys, it's Ted. Thank you so much for joining me on my show and for all the support. If you ever found any value from the show, I would love if you could subscribe to the show, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and share the show with somebody who will find it useful as well. All episodes, tools, and resources are available on tattoo.com, so make sure you log on to tattoo.com, that's T-E-D-T-E-O.com, and make sure you sign up for the newsletter if you want to hear updates from me directly. And now, let's dive right in. Hey Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you. Now Jeremy, let's dive a very simple icebreaker so we can get to know you better. Could you share with us, who is Jeremy Miller when he isn't working? Jeremy Miller is a guy who loves to hang out with his family. Um, spend time with my son playing baseball, uh, drawing or doing art with my daughter, and then uh, just kind of chilling with my wife. So the Jeremy not doing business is a, is a very relaxed guy who just uh, likes having fun. <laughs> ah, so it sounds like Jeremy is a family man. Now, Jeremy, before we start speaking about FSA Store and the rest of your ventures, I happen to know that you started your career managing and growing small businesses. Could you share with us this part of your journey and what do you actually learn from this process? Sure. I worked for four companies before I started my own company. And I like to say that I learned as much as I could to be able to help start my company, but I also learned not what not to do uh, when having a company from oh, some of the true. businesses that I worked for. So it was a hit or miss type of thing, but I did learn so much stuff around um, managing a business, um, accounting, finance, HR, uh, really kind of like all the different aspects of, of running a company. So I was really lucky to have such a broad-based um, kind of career before starting my business to be able to really, uh, really understand and know what was going on uh, with, um, with really operating a business before actually jumping in. So Jeremy, you are the chairman and founder of HSA Store and FSA Store today. And these are companies that you actually launched in 2010 and 2015 respectively. Could you share with us the value proposition of these companies in your own words? And what was the gap in the market that you noticed that led you to start these companies? Sure. Yeah, we started FSAstore.com in 2010. We launched HSAstore.com in 2015. And now we actually have two more brands, which we can get into later. But um, with the FSA business, we kind of just, I worked for, um, like I said, my last company that I worked for. I learned a little bit about flexible spending accounts operating that that business and helping with the HR side of the business. And I just saw that there was this enormous amount of waste that people had when they were trying to get an FSA. And FSA really is a tax-free vehicle where people can put aside tax-free funds to spend on medical expenses. 
and people were just really clueless on what to spend their funds on and how to really operate these accounts. And so took that idea, you know, kind of incubated it uh, within the school framework and then came out really strong with the, you know, the concept of FSA store, which is really helping people understand and utilize their tax-free dollars. And something we stumbled upon, like you said, um, when we stumbled upon this really early, is that almost $400 million gets lost each year by people who put money, yeah, put money in these accounts and then kind of forget about them, forget to use them, and they actually lose that money at the end of the year. And so once we stumbled upon that, we said, wow, we really have an interesting idea that we can capture here on uh on this, these accounts. And so that really was a catalyst. Jeremy, when you mentioned that there's about 400 million worth of FSA dollars that's being forfeited at the end of the year, is it forfeited back to the employers or the government? Yeah, so, you know, FSA, just to give you a little brief rundown because they're highly confusing. Yeah. <laughs> um, HSAs as well. Um, they're American accounts, so people that are international are probably listening to this and saying, what is all this? <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're US-based yeah. accounts. Clarify this for us, please. Right. They, they let people put tax-free dollars that they take out of their paycheck to put into a medical account uh, to spend on medical expenses. So FSA, um, you can put thousands of dollars um, a year into this account, tax-free, so it comes right out of your paycheck. And then you can spend it on qualified medical expenses. And so our site really offers everything that you can by um, we offer a lot of tools and resources, but um, like you said, with the FSA and HSA, yes, that money goes back to the employer um, to utilize for the cost of administering that plan. But you know, employers really want people to use these tax dollars; they're their healthcare savings dollars. So every you know dollar that someone puts aside to in one of these accounts are actually saving money because they don't have to go out of pocket and spend on medical expenses, over-the-counter medicines, things like that. So it's actually a savings. So American employees can actually use the FSA accounts and the crediting site for them to maybe purchase uh, medical supplies that they need or maybe see a healthcare practitioner. Is that what it allows them to do? Yeah, exactly. So it has to be medical in nature. So anything from, like you said, medical practitioners to the 5,000 products that we sell um, to you know, dental, um, you know, non-cosmetic dental um, anything really that's uh, that's that's promoted as something that's curing, mitigating, or preventing disease or illness or affection of the body. So that's that kind of legal definition. <laughs> now, Jeremy, I understand that you spotted this issue of FSA credits, about $400 million worth of it, is being actually forfeited to the employers at every year during the time of your last corporate career. And I understand you also went on to do an MBA in Columbia Business School. So you did share about the fact that you sort of incubated this idea a bit further when you were in school itself. I happen to know that you actually won uh, the best entrepreneurial idea at one of the business competitions during your time in Columbia Business School. So could you share with us how it felt when you won the competition? Did you feel vindicated? Did you feel validated? Yeah, that was really fun, actually. We did that. Um, it was a business school competition. So we had all the you know, top business schools doing a, a, a competition. I remember pitching and I had to, my son was actually born in April, which was uh, three months before I started business school. And so um, I remember pitching this competition and then being like, oh, I got to leave. I got to go help my you know, wife with my son. And then I remember getting this call from uh, who's now was my business partner, who's been my business partner for 10 years. Mm -hmm 
saying, "Hey, you got to come back. We won the we won the the pitch competition. Whoa. You got the best uh, idea." <laughs> and so <laughs> nice. Uh, I couldn't come back because I was you know with my son. But um, you know th- those little things really help to kind of propel the business forward in in different you know small ways. You know that that was just a number of um, things that kind of went our way to kind of get us started. And I think business school was a huge way to incubate the mm-hmm. idea in a pretty safe setting with a ton of peers that could give you feedback. And I think that was just another catalyst for kind of getting the business launched, which was really my ultimate goal within school. It was like, I want to get this business launched. I want to see if people are going to use it. I want to, I want to test it out with the, you know, 600 friends that are you know, walking through these, these corridors every day. Yeah, and you've clearly achieved what you set out to do. So guys, Jeremy's business is based on a very unique problem that he noticed during his time in his corporate career. When he realized $400 million worth of FSA credits were being forfeited every year by American employees, he knew he was onto something and he started incubating this idea to make it work. So guys, if you have observed a systemic issue like Jeremy that you realize you can actually help solve, why not make it into a business idea and it could be the next big thing? So Jeremy, with the knowledge that there's about $400 million worth of FSA dollars being refunded or forfeited at the end of every year, and now that you actually know that you're making an impact on the lives of your customers, how does it feel for you now that you know you're making a positive impact in their lives? I mean, you know, it's great to be in healthcare. We sell healthcare products. Those healthcare products make people healthier and make, uh, you know, do do good for for all the people that use them. Um, And I think how has this helped? I think it's really key um just see the growth over the last 10 years and to see how many customers have come and really used your site especially at the end of the year you know we're mm-hmm. approaching Fourth December quarter. 31st now and we call it the surge, the surge. Um, that's where we become amazon.com for i'd say a day and a half uh where people rush to the site to use their dollars and i think um utilizing a tool like we've created and helping people manage that i mean you know most of our orders are throughout it when we launched and we had a a first December. We're now on our, I think, 11th or 12th December. Um, So we've done a lot to be able to ramp up the business and really kind of be there for the consumers. But it's just a testament that we've created a really good tool that people use and people people take advantage of. And so we've just really uh, simplified the process. And although we might look at, you might look at us as an e-commerce healthcare product that just sells you know products to people with fsas we've done so much more over the last 10 years in terms of education and other tools that people can use to really understand these accounts because they are just confusing they're just confusing by nature so jeremy you called this period the search right is it because as you said earlier on the credits will actually expire i guess around the 31st of december yeah the surge is really in the in the in the people that come to the site and so there's just rush and it's literally, you can see it, it's kind of fun. So, <laughs> just got to you know, spend the credits before it goes. Yeah. So up to New Year's, um, really New Year's Eve, uh, West Coast time, you get to see uh, the traffic come in. So we, we're there, you know, when people are celebrating in Times Square for New Year's, we're like six blocks away looking at all the metrics of the website and all the, all the traffic yeah. that's coming and all the, the things that light up on the map of like where people are coming in from the U.S. And so you just see this, this even it's up till New Year's, you see the giant push, right? So people are just think, spending that money. They're like trying to get that money spent. And then it kind of dies down a little after 
East Coast 12, 12 a.m., but it still goes on to West Coast 12 a.m. Yeah, and so it's fun to talk right. to customers that are like, oh, yeah, you know, during New Year's, I go on your site and I, I spend my last funds because I got to use them. <laughs> it's <laughs> interesting to see that that behavior really kind of waiting to the last minute, but also at least being cost conscious and being able to say, like, look, I, I, I got some value out of this. I didn't lose that. Now, it sounds like when the whole of America is celebrating, it's actually your busiest working day. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Ah, I see. Now, Jeremy, could you actually share with us what are some of the unique problems that comes during this search? While most retail companies will have the highest amount of sales during the fourth quarter of the year during the holiday seasons, it sounds like this also applies to your businesses, especially during the last week of the calendar year all the way up to the new year itself, or maybe into January as well. So what tools and resources have you built over the years to help manage this process? Yeah, hands down, the number one thing that we look at during that surge is whether we can take it from a technological perspective. Um, And over the years, we've been lucky that, that technology has changed and server technology has changed in order for us to be able to scale up rapidly and then scale down when we don't need it. Just And so, you know, it's a constant kind of struggle on how much to scale, how much we need to prepare, how much inventory we're going to carry, right? Because we've got to pre-order inventory, how many customer service agents we need so that people aren't waiting 20 minutes if they need to get a question answered, right? Instead, they're waiting their tech... You know, yeah, they'll drop off if they have to wait that long. Exactly. The typical one minute, right, is what we strives for um, during that time so it's kind of like i don't know it's kind of it's like creating a whole scaffolding <laughs> around the business to be able to utilize everything you offer and then you know tearing down the scaffolding in january so um at the same time it's a really fun time for us because it just validates the year and so yeah you know one year we um we celebrated on new year's eve and that was kind of like 12 o'clock, we were like kind of in the office celebrating. That was a mistake. <laughs> oh. um, we had, you know, a technical glitch that we had to fix. <laughs> oh, so while I see. some people were celebrating, some people were also still like working. So we decided, okay, you know, we're going to celebrate after As a company, know, 3 a.m. Yeah, 3 a.m. Eastern is, is when you can maybe, you know, sigh a little relief. But really, you know, January after everything shifts is when we can really kind of say, okay, we did that right. So as you know, you work up towards the holiday season, you get your service in place, you get your IT specialists to be on standby as well, I assume, to make sure that everything that could potentially go wrong can be rectified as soon as possible. What about issues in terms of manpower? Do you actually have to bring in additional, um, maybe part-timers and train them to be specialized and able to address any particular problems during this whole period as well? Yeah, that's a huge that's a huge thing that we focus on, whether we scale up our call center operations and you know we're asking people also to be working during you know a holiday which i think yeah it's kind of tough yeah we kind of really appreciate what they do and um at times we've had um you know some small issues with that just people you know opting out or or not coming in but we found a great team um space abroad that is able to kind of scale us up rapidly and then and then they're highly trained you know training is a key component of our business since it's so technical it's not as easy as oh here's your order and here's where it's going let me fix it it's it's, also answering (laughs) thousands of questions that people might have about their their accounts and i guess these questions are actually quite technical because they could actually range from maybe whether a certain product is fsa eligible in the first place yeah we get we we get those questions we get i mean we get (laughs) it's 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 so technical that we get 
very sometimes specific questions that could be as hard as like, okay, my spouse lost his job and um, we have this account, but what can we use the FSA? But I, you know, maxed it out and I don't have enough expenses. I mean, there's just so many scenarios and we have to train a team to be able to answer those because the moment you give like a wrong information in kind of like this medical technical field, it's like you hear it because it's liability, right? Yeah. Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So guys, if you're in the retail business, you should know that the fourth quarter is always the busiest as that's the period where most spending is actually done. So as you're ramping up to the fourth quarter, like Jeremy, you should anticipate those potential problems that may arise and actually actively take steps to solve them. Do you need to prepare your website service to make sure that you can actually take on the extra level of traffic? Do you need to hire more personnel and train them so that they can actually support you during this period of time? If you don't anticipate these problems and actively solve them, you could potentially lose a lot of sales if, for example, you don't have the right personnel to answer the questions of your customers or if your server just plainly doesn't work and your website just shuts down for a period of time. Now back to you, Jeremy. I had to ask you this question. Do you crave that adrenaline rush as you build up towards the end of the year? I mean, of course it's stressful, but I mean, you've been doing this for a decade and that's the most exciting part of the whole financial year. Do you crave that adrenaline rush? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I don't, I think. I just want things to run smoothly. Yeah, you know, it's this build up. You know, in 2014, we had an issue where we found out that the server... We were, servers we were operating in the database uh, SQL server was going to only take a max amount of, of load. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a really tough year because, uh, you know, we we basically had to kind of turn on a dime on, like, December 19th. And we, you know, our goal is to, like, lock up everything and say, don't touch it for the next period of time. And so we noticed this problem. So we got, you know, 10 people in a room and we're just like knocking this out. And we're like trying to figure out how do we expand. It's crisis mode. And then we made all these changes and then somehow the changes got deleted. And so it kept Whoa. pushing us toward this deadline, right? And we knew we, knew we weren't able to Is it ticking time bomb. The traffic. Then my grandma passed away. On oh, the, I'm sorry to hear. On the 11th. And so it was just like this, this really like tough time. And we got through it. We made it. We did mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, on the flip side, you know, one year when it was earlier, when revenues weren't so high, um, we had this goal and it was up on the wall and we kept inching toward it and inching toward it. And then we made it and the whole team just kind of went, you know, just hands in the air. Like, yeah, we did it. Someone passed me a bottle of champagne. (laughs) I drank out of the bottle and someone has a video of me because I forgot you can't like drink champagne. It's going to fizz out, right? Yeah, just pour it out <laughs> of me. So someone's got some scoop on me um, about the uh, end of year surge. But when you, when you talk about it this way, I, you know, I think it's it's definitely that's a lot of work. But then that reward is great to see that um, that we can scale and, and utilize people can utilize it and really come go off without a hitch. Now, Jeremy, what was it like building a larger SQL chain in the earlier days, and how has it evolved over time? Could you maybe share some challenges that you faced and how you have to overcome them? Yeah, that's actually been a it's, it's been a challenge too, and, a, and an opportunity for us to really kind of build out a strong supply chain with the products that we have. I'll tell you that what we had when we started the business as a you know as a startup, um, you know, 
just trying to make anything work to what we have now is night mm-hmm. and day. And so uh, we have a great JV partnership that um, enables us to carry inventory, but also enables us to kind of shed off some of the, the you know, pitfalls around having your own distribution. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we kind of had focused on, or have focused on really a zero inventory model to keep us lean, okay. to not invest millions and hundreds of millions of dollars in um, distribution costs and supply chain costs. And that's actually um, proved to be very beneficial for us and enabled us to still, still scale uh, with a partner as opposed to kind of in-house. Ah, I see. So that's how you actually managed to build a supply chain that really works with your unique business model, where of course you have sales throughout the whole year, but specifically during the last few weeks of the calendar year itself, it gets the busiest. So I guess that's something that you have to work out with your JV partner to make sure that they can accommodate that as well. Yeah, we have to ramp up our, our DCs and we have to put put product, a ton of product. So what you see happening really as early as like September, maybe even earlier as, as they start to kind of buy to the the um the forecast that we have and so working with them on creating a really solid forecast i think is really key for us because we want to be lean because we we are on the hook for inventory at the same time we don't want to like underestimate because then we're out of inventory and we're not selling anything so it is it is a ramp up um and you know another good thing is that we you know we still do a lot of business throughout the year so it's not um, such a huge, it, it's a big part of the business, but also, and it's not the only aspect half, of the, yeah, the other 11 and a half months are, are, are big as well. So it's good to see that the, as a business grows, you've scaled up to, you know, up to three DCs across the country that can ship product. And I'm sure that the relationships that you put with them over the years is so a crucial point of the success that you have today. Now, Jeremy, Healthcare and personal finance are heavily regulated industries and your business actually lies in the intersection of both. So maybe what are some of the regulatory challenges that you faced at the start? Were there any licenses that you actually had to obtain? What were some of the legal hurdles that maybe you had to jump through as well? Yeah, so um, since our accounts are run by the IRS and by the Department, well, Department of Treasury and, and um, their, their regulated accounts that are when there's changes, it's, it's done like at the congressional level. And so they're kind of really pretty highly regulated accounts. So we, we in the very beginning, you know, focused on, on compliance and be, making sure that everything that we say and we put on paper and we put on the site and everything that we do to operate and accept these type of payments that um, these cards that people have with these accounts but it's all done, you know, from a highly compliant regulatory manner, and um, we've we've actually been great to not have any issues with that. I mean, we 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 have an in-house head of compliance that has a team, and that team is just focused on, you know, really providing. Um, I'm not gonna say advice, but providing feedback uh, to all of our constituents. So we have not only do we have customers. But we also have clients. So a lot of times to get to our site or to get to our business, um, a lot of the administrators of these plans, companies um, that are uh, large kind of payroll administrators, um, FSA administrators, 
So they're all focused on compliance. And so sometimes they come to us with questions around, especially around product compliance. Um, are these products eligible? Um, and so that's a key part of, of the business and something we always focused on. And it's something we always, you know, definitely were always kind of putting for at the forefront is just making sure that we give people the right answers and we give our clients the right answers so that they can give their clients, which are the employers, the right answers. And so, you know, there's a, every two, every, every, uh, every six months we go to one of the kind of technical compliance uh, summits uh, where we're an active kind of board member in. Um, we do a lot of healthcare summits where we were active sponsors in. And so um, all that kind of equates to just being able to make sure that people have the right information and they're getting their answer, questions answered. So guys, a key highlight that I'd like to share is that if you're intending to start a business like Jeremy in an area that's highly regulated, make sure that you are in compliance with the law. Speak to a legal advisor to make sure that you are aware of the licenses that you need to obtain and the various obligations that you must meet to make sure that you're in compliance. So Jeremy, you just shared about the importance of regulatory compliance in relation to your business. And of course, this is something that you have emphasized from the start. But could you share how regulatory changes over the years have also affected your business? For example, the Affordable Healthcare Act, when it was enacted, did it actually cause you to pivot your business? Yeah, so we were kind of pushed in the throes of um, compliance right away because the Affordable Care Act came out and it had some changes to FSAs and HSAs. So we launched our business in, um, in 2010 and we had to pivot on a dime six months later. And so um, we've always had a strong focus on compliance. We have a head of compliance that has a team. She's a, She's amazing and really focuses on our constituents, which is our customers, our clients, and everyone around um, customer service. And so really being able to make sure that we're providing all the right answers. And <clears throat> there are thousands of pages of compliance in the Department of Treasury uh, slash IRS kind of um, guidelines for these accounts. And so our goal is to convert that into one um, an educational component for our consumers so that we can kind of digest that for them. So we have thousands of questions that get answered on our website. And then two, just be a go-to source for providing the most compliant and right answers to our clients, our customers, and everyone around us. It's great that you just brought up this point because I know you've actually always advocated the power of educating your customers when it comes to building relationships with them. And you've actually mentioned in a previous interview that educating your customers is so much more valuable in terms of brand building and loyalty for your customers than sales and promotion codes. So how has this played out over the years for FSA and, uh, sorry, FSA store and how has it made a difference in terms of the customer experience in your point of view? Yeah, it's always great when I Google a question and I see that they are using the text from our website and like the first and mm -hmm. foremost of here's what, here's your answer. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's people, people, you know, these are highly technical accounts and people, if they get frustrated, they're just not going to use them. And that's what we tell our clients because we have, you know, 250 clients that um, are focused on administering these plans for the consumer to work with employers. And, you know, I keep always, I always say the same thing. You just have to keep it simple and they're highly complex and you have to keep iterating on how do we make this process the best for our consumers and that's really ultimately what our deep down focus is on um in, a, in essence you might call us a consumer healthcare brand um 
but uh, yeah, it's really, it's, it sounds simple, but it's also, it's also hard because how do you really do that when you have a customer coming who wants to spend money on the site, but then there's all these tools and resources and educational components. And I guess it's a constant process of refinement that you have been working on for the last exactly, 10 years exactly. itself. But Jeremy, I'm also guessing that being the provider of information and expertise is actually helping you with the conversion rates as well. Yeah. Um, SEO, you know, um, being optimized by all the, all the websites out there really helps for us to um, maintain the brand. It also is a great low-cost way to acquire customers because they're coming onto your site from an educational component. So it's great to hear, um, to, to see the, the data when people come in through the content-related searches. You know, it's not as prevalent as kind of our paid channels such as Google, but it's still um, a great way to acquire customers, like you said. So guys, as Jeremy has just shared, providing a source of information for your customers can also be a great way to build brand loyalty. In fact, it can also help with your sales conversion rates. So Jeremy, for my next question, I would love for you to share how you were able to compete with the large pharma retailers, especially when they had a larger marketing budget to play around with at the start than you had. Yeah, no one is laser is laser focused as we are on these accounts. So FSAs, HSAs, um, like I said in the beginning, we also opened up a Medicare Advantage um, over-the-counter website. We also have a wellness website that sells some wellness products for people that have wellness rewards, tax-free dollars. So all those combined, like the four sites, you know, we're just trying to really benefit, have people benefit better. That's our tagline. And um, what that means is just really focused on how do we continue to iterate um, our websites to make them as useful as possible? How do we um, build new channels and, and build new partnerships to get people to the site and it's been a great success. You know, we've grown every year for the last 11 years. Um, mm -hmm. I think we were also kind of front and center with with the beginning of COVID and helping people yeah. um, with their COVID supplies, thermometers, pulse oximeters, medicines, things like that. And so uh, it really is kind of really being laser focused on that customer experience. And so no other website out there does what we do um, like the way that we do it. And the larger retailers are focused on big box retailing. You know, we're focused on highly specific FSA, HSA, et cetera, spend. And when you're so focused on it, like the way we are, you start to build these new features and tools that allow the customer to just be like, oh, I can come on and do that. And it's that easy. Okay, sign me up. Right. Whereas like another website would be like, Oh, I can do some of that and it's not going to be as easy. And I don't know that my funds are going to be used on time. And I don't know if I'm going to need a receipt to submit. And I don't know if it's actually even going to go through. And so, you know, being, being as laser branded as we are, you know, on this niche, this large niche, but it's still a niche, uh, has enabled us to build the best experience that we can. Yeah. It's because you niche down so niche down. <laughs> specifically and being laser focused, right, right, right. Into that whole process where, Anybody who comes in really understands the value proposition. I mean, it's in the name itself, FSA store, HSA store. Right, right. It's so clear to them what they are here for right. and how they can use it. That's a great way to, you know, I think it's very good marketing and name, uh, naming of the companies for one. Now, uh, Jeremy, you mentioned that, of course, COVID has been a thing and you've also been able to provide the supplies that your customers needed during this period. But maybe you could share a bit more. How has COVID affected the businesses and are there any specific initiatives that you guys have uh, 
embarked on to also help your customers during this period? Yeah, from the very beginning in March of 2020, um, March, I think, um, 19th, we launched um, the virus preparedness page. And that quickly catapulted to be indexed around all the web and indexed um, within our site as one of the most trafficked pages ever. And what we basically did is we tried to categorize as many products that we thought would be helpful into this um, banner we sold. And I'm not sure what the timeline was, but it was a pretty short timeline where we reached uh, a million thermometers. Um, thermometers were one of the biggest searched items on our site during mm. that time. Um, and so really just creating a page that people would go to to try to help them you know, adequately prepare and plan was uh, crucial and um, <clears throat> it kind of paid off. We had a, we had a, I don't want to say paid off because it was more of done as like a service, but it did ultimately, you know, it was like you said, if people are using it, that means they're getting value out of it. So um, it was, a, it was a, a, and then past then, we, then we started creating more resources and other pages about, you know, managing the process and, um, other kind of <clears throat> aspects around COVID education as well to help people prepare and and, um, and yeah so uh, sales and you get the supplies that you needed during this pandemic itself while actually using the FSA credits it's a great way to actually bridge that gap I guess in terms of helping your customers to be prepared in the event they need to uh, face any challenges in terms of what the pandemic can bring exactly now Jeremy entrepreneurship is never an easy journey. Who would you say played a significant part in your success that you would like to take some time now to say thank you to? Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> um, I think that uh, when, I, <clears throat> when I, sometimes I talk at Columbia and something that I say is that um, although the entrepreneur, it, it seems like you're this, this image of you kind of going alone and, you know, you know, kind of creating this, this brand, this, this this company out of nothing, and doing it like solo, kind of like I don't know what the right word is, kind of like braving through or like you know, yeah, bam, brushing through. It's kind of like a hero's journey, <laughs> right, it, right? Right. And I and I say it's actually quite the opposite. It's like you need help from so many people, and at least that's me. I need help from so many people. I needed help from so many people, whether it be the early throws of fundraising. Or, you know, how do you structure the marketing model? Or how do you get distrib distribution? Or how do you pick up clients? And, the, and just the help that was around me and continues to be around me was just so supportive and so focused on not like, you know, I think you can do it or I don't think you can do it, right? Or I, you can't do this. And some, some investors said that, you know. Um, but I always say it's kind of braving on. It's kind of. You know, my motto is just do it. Just, just try to get it up. Just keep going. And there's, you know, challenges in the beginning of doing that. And then, you know, it happened after uh, a lot of work. So I, I actually do. And when I was listening to this, they know that I am talking to them when I even say that I need help from everyone. <laughs> and so yeah. um, I really think that that's, that's a key part of my journey, at least, is, is you know, utilizing the helper. 
Cool. Now, Jeremy, if the listeners only remember one thing from today's conversation, what would you like it to be? With the, the people that are listening, I mean, one, they're probably still thinking, like, what's an FSA account? I mean, like, look into this HSA, FSA thing, because right, right now there's, although there's you know 30 million accounts and 60 million people are affected by FSAs and HSAs, they're still kind of unknown. A lot of people glance over them and they're, they're manual. Um, so I would also say if you wanted to save thousands of dollars a year, you know, definitely look into it with your employer. Um, if your employer doesn't have an account, really kind of implore them to do it. There's a tax savings for the employer too. So it's kind of a win-win. Mm, exactly. So guys, if you're in America and you have an FSA or HSA account, remember to spend your credits by the end of the year or they may get forfeited. Now, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise. It's been so nice to have you here. Oh, thank you. Guys, thank you so much for joining Jeremy and I on today's episode. So if you're in America and you have some credits in your FSA account, try your best to spend it by 31st December. Otherwise, it could be forfeited. Now, as before, if you've received any value from the show, I would love if you could subscribe to the show, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and to share the show with somebody who find it useful as well. All updates, tools, and resources, and my email list are available on tedteo.com. That's T-E-D-T-E-O.com. That's all for me today. I'll see you guys next time.